And we are back. It is the Taylor Report. We're on um, SoundCloud, and we are on Facebook. And uh, we hope you'll check us out. And I believe we are joined by publisher and author Zafar Bengash. Are you there, Zafar? Hello, Phil. Yes, I am with you. It's rather urgent we talk to you. You, you, you are an expert in a, on a part of the world which uh, seems to be continually aflame. You know, uh, today we wanted to talk to you, of course, about these uh, uh, events in Iraq, which have everybody scratching their heads. But we also have to have the news of uh, the U.S. Uh, decision announced by the still President uh, Donald Trump, uh, saying that he's going to withdraw U.S. personnel and he's going to leave responsibility for... Uh, northern Syria, if I understand you, you can correct me here, <laughs> uh, the to Turkey. Uh, and uh, now the U.S. Congress and all the liberals are excited. They, don't, they think he's deserting um, the anarchist forces that Chomsky likes located in the north. What, what, uh, what, are you, what, has, what is this about? Uh, can you break it down? Sure. Um, first of all, um, uh, well, there are two separate areas, although they are interconnected. The one is uh, Syria, Turkey, U.S., and the other is Iraq, U.S., uh, Iran. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's deal with the immediate one relating to Turkey. That um, our our great um, you know unmatched uh, genius, as he calls himself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, his latest tw- Twitter was that you know in my mm-hmm. uh, in my unmatched wisdom. Uh, uh, you know, if I if I find that Turkey is doing something that uh, is not appropriate, then I'm going to obliterate their economy. That was his. Uh, tweet uh, today mm-hmm. after he had announced the withdrawal of um, U.S. Forces. He reminds me of a squid leaving ink. I mean, isn't, you know, what's he talking about? Uh, Turkey, uh, is he knows that there's some kind of a deal. It, it doesn't turn on whether he threatens Turkey. He's, isn't he sort of just uh, trying to pretend he has some say in this when he doesn't have any? That is correct. Now, if we break it down, we, we see that there are about a uh, thousand to twelve hundred U.S. forces uh, in the region in in Syria uh, illegally. I must point out because the Syrian government has not given permission to the U.S. to station its forces there. So these are basically occupation forces. Mm-hmm. And the announcement that he made that he was going to uh, withdraw U.S. forces from that area, which is which borders Turkey. And there was uh, this came about after Trump had spoken to the Turkish president, Rajab Tayyip Erdogan, uh, because he had threatened to send his forces into northern Syria in order to create an enclave where uh, about uh, approximately two and a half to three million Syrian refugees would be uh, relocated because these refugees are in Turkey and the Turks are growing wary of their presence and they want to essentially get rid of them. Mm. Of course, there has been a lot of noise within the U.S., in in Congress, as well as the Pentagon and the State Department and so on. And then it was announced that uh, the U.S. is going to withdraw about two dozen forces from that area. 
and that these two dozen forces we are led to believe were the ones that were able to contain something like 3000 ISIS terrorists Hmm. And uh, there are also now statements coming that we are betraying our Kurdish allies because they were the ones that fought ISIS, etc. Hmm. Now, for the benefit of your listeners, uh, let me uh, remind them that ISIS was a U.S. Western creation. Uh, it has been financed all along by the U.S., by Saudi Arabia, by Turkey, by Jordan. France, Britain, all of these countries have been involved in financing and keeping ISIS, these terrorist groups, uh, functioning. And for the U.S. now to claim that somehow the U.S. was fighting against them is absolutely ridiculous. There is no truth to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what has happened is that obviously these forces have been now defeated. They are on the verge of collapse. They cannot stand 3,000 or so, whatever uh, ISIS terrorists are left in that area. Uh, they cannot uh, stand uh, against uh, the Syrian army and its allies. And this alibi is being created that somehow uh, the U.S. is now betraying its uh, Kurdish allies. Now, Turkey had all along said that it was going to move into northern Syria, again illegally, and Syria has said so, that any incursion by Turkey would be considered not only an illegal act, but an act of war. Mm -hmm. But regrettably, uh, because uh, the Syrian army is so overstretched that they are unable to fight all of these forces simultaneously, so they are focusing on... The, the area where these ISIS terrorists are trapped. Mm-hmm. That's in Idlib. Is that Idlib? That is correct. It is in Idlib province, and uh, there is a, a small area that these uh, terrorists are holed up in. Mm-hmm. And Turkey's uh, problem is that it simply does not want the Kurds in Syria to link up with the Kurds in Turkey, because Kurds mm-hmm. are the main problem for Turkey and Turkey simply cannot uh, or will not allow them to link up with the Kurds in Syria because then they'll become even more powerful. And there is no doubt that, regrettably, the Kurds have been creating problems not only for uh, Turkey, uh, but they're also... Well, you know, they also are. Uh, they have allowed themselves to be used by the U.S. as well as Israel and others. Yeah, Iraq. Yes. Uh, they. You know, I, we interviewed on this show the uh, military writer, Mr. Taylor. I forget his first name, but he said that he visited Iraq, in northern Iraq, where the Canadian forces were some years back, and that he said you don't see Iraqi flags; they're only Kurdish flag. That is correct. And it's yes. a country was Iraq. Yes. Now, you see, this is, this is the situation, unfortunately, that the Kurds have uh, always kept very bad company. They've always made very bad decisions. And as a consequence, uh, they have suffered. I mean, their people have suffered, but unfortunately, their, their leaders uh, don't seem to learn. Uh, you mentioned Iraq. Uh, you know, they had set up uh, a semi-independent state in northern Iraq. And they were uh, basically trying to threaten the central government in Baghdad. And then last year, uh, Iran's forces told them that they either uh, back down or they're going to be dealt with. 
and of course the Kurds in their foolishness uh, did not uh, take heed and then Iran really dealt with them in a, in a proper way and just took care of them so this was uh, exactly a year ago uh, when when Ira- one of Iran's generals had told them in a meeting with the Kurds that we want you to the Kurds were about to declare independence mm-hmm. and um, Iran told them not to do that because uh, Iraq is a close ally and we do not want any further disintegration of this region. You've got a, a great measure of autonomy. You are administering your own affairs. So there is no need for you to um, take that uh, additional step. But the Kurds, uh, you know, as they say, they never fail to fail. And so they basically took the wrong decision and they were dealt with in a matter of hours. They were just simply obliterated. Mm -hmm. And so their their autonomous status was also degraded considerably, although the situation there is now much quieter than it was before. By the way, this is all aftershock of the U.S. heavy intervention in the region, right? Invasion of Iraq... Uh, destruction uh, and, and the creation of uh, divisions between Iraq, Syria, uh, Iran, Turkey. The U.S. rolled in there, and now there's been havoc that is it's now settling, s- sort of settling back to its original uh, position. Yes. Uh, you see, um, what is uh, really unfortunate is that... Um, the U.S. has been meddling in the affairs of these countries together with its uh, ally Israel uh, and creating havoc in the region. And the U.S. policy throughout has been based on that nonsensical document produced back in 1997 called Project for the New American Century, basically dominated by neocons and many of them Zionists, Mm -hmm. uh, that wanted to uh, essentially protect Israel uh, and to make it the pre dominant power in the region so that Israel would dictate the policies of all the countries in the region. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the first step along this uh, project, of course, was the destruction of Iraq, and it is still in turmoil. It has not recovered. Uh, I just want to quickly add that, you know, in, in recent days, the demonstrations, etc., that we have seen in Iraq are directly instigated by the U.S., Today, for instance, we we, uh, read the news that uh, these demonstrators had attacked uh, Iran's consulate in Basra. Now, why would the Iraqis want to do that when, in fact, Iran is the country that is supporting Iraq? It is providing them... subsidized oil and gas and electricity and helping them every which way, despite the fact that um, it was Iraq that had launched a war against Iran back in 1980, which lasted for eight years. Iran was virtually destroyed. And despite that vicious war, uh, after Saddam Hussein's overthrow, uh, Iran did not take any action against Iraq and said, whatever has happened in the past, we we forgive and let's uh, settle down so that we can uh, establish normal relations. And so the, the current prime minister of Iraq, Adil Abdul Mahdi, uh, is the one that the Americans uh, were trying to blackmail uh, because Iran had trained a militia in Iraq, which is called Hasht al-Shabi, which is basically people's uh, mobilization militia. And this militia had fought against these ISIS terrorists and defeated them. And so the U.S. wanted to bomb this militia to destroy them. And the prime minister of Iraq said, no, I cannot allow you to do that. And so what the Israelis then did was they uh, basically went and destroyed 
the Iraqi army's uh, arms depots. And the prime minister openly said that Israel had attacked us. This was actually uh, before the Israeli elections. And, of course, Netanyahu was trying to act tough to present himself uh, that he is, mm-hmm. you know, uh, he's uh, a macho man and he can go go ahead and sort bomb, of sort bomb anybody he wants. Exactly. And he had done, at the same time, he had bombed uh, a, a house near Damascus where two uh, Hezbollah fighters were killed, and Hezbollah said that we will avenge this. And then, of course, they did. Uh, but in Iraq, uh, Israel uh, bombed that arms depot, and uh, the Iraqi prime minister outed them and said it was Israel that had done it. And, of course, that did not sit well with the United yeah. States. By the way, that's a, that's a well-known sort of protocol of the reporting and discussion. Leaders in the region are not supposed to say when they've been hit. Uh, by Israel, I rec- you know, with is with Syria for years, they, they would get hit, and there would be no word at all. Yes, yes, because they they were told don't say anything, or you you'll be in more trouble. Exactly. By the way, we're speaking to Zafar Bengash, Crescent dot i c i t hyphen digital dot org, Crescent dot i c i t hyphen digital. Dot org. Please go to that site, for, by the way, to get all the background. But uh, Zafar, another matter apropos of this prime minister, and one that seems also to be an issue, and I want to get you to comment on, they opened a border point with Syria. Yes, that was the other one sin week that ago. he committed. Oh, that was the other sin that he committed, you see? <laughs> that is like another crime. <laughs> yeah. He opened the border with his neighbor. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, you know, he was already uh, being um, castigated because uh, he is allowing uh, pilgrims from Iran to come to Iraq because the major uh, religious uh, shrines uh, of uh, the Shia community are in Iraq, places like uh, Karbala and Najaf and so on. These are highly respected places. Some of the great imams are buried over there. And literally millions of pilgrims go there every every year. In fact, right now, what is referred to as Arba'in, the 40th day of uh, the martyrdom of uh, Imam Hussein, is being uh, commemorated, and millions of people have converged on Karbala. They marched. In fact, last year, there were about 25 million people that marched for miles and miles and miles, and they were looked after well. And so mm-hmm. uh, Iraq has opened its borders for pilgrims from Iran and vice versa. And, of course, Iran also... Uh, gets about one and a half million Iraqi pilgrims going to Iran. And mm-hmm. that was already uh, something that the, the Americans were very unhappy about. And now that the Iraqi government opened its border with Syria as well, so that was considered to be another no-no. And yeah, therefore they, 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 they sort of seem to operate by crayons, don't they? I mean, they see that Iran could travel through Iraq to Syria. Yes. I think, isn't that what they, you know, for them, that's just like uh, driving them mad, the thought that there would be direct communications, passage of vehicles and whatever, uh, in the secure area, sovereign area of Syria, the sovereign area of Iraq, and the sovereign area of Iran, which is why they're against sovereignty. Unfortunately, yes. This is the... This is the sort of, you know, problem that, uh, unfortunately, the mindset that exists in the U.S., that they must determine 
uh, who is going to travel through which country and who is supposed to have relations with which country, etc. Yeah. And I think people are beginning to get tired of this, and they are standing up for their own rights and challenging uh, this this policy of the United States. They are not prepared to take it anymore, and they are prepared to. Uh, fight if if need be for their rights mm-hmm. and this is what has happened in Syria where in fact they the US uh, Israeli Saudi plan uh, or plot to mm-hmm. for regime change and to rearrange the borders of the Middle East have been uh, has have been frustrated and so there is a a, a rollback uh, of that plan uh, there's a setback for that plan, a defeat of that plan, in fact, because uh, obviously after nearly eight years of bloodletting in, in Syria, uh, they have completely failed. The Syrian government is still uh, in power. Uh, Bashar al-Assad has not been overthrown. His army has not disintegrated. It becomes stronger. Absolutely. And it's so, the old saying, what doesn't break? <laughs> Sometimes you grow back stronger into broken places, right? Correct. And of course, you know, uh, Syria would have to uh, spend uh, billions of dollars uh, rebuilding. But uh, what is now happening is that many Syrian refugees that were, for instance, in places like Jordan or Lebanon uh, and Turkey are returning back to their homes. Uh, even uh, the, the internally displaced uh, people are getting back into their towns and villages uh, where uh, the Syrian army has been able to uh, cleanse the area of ISIS terrorists. So people are resuming their normal lives. Mm-hmm. It'll take a long time to to rebuild, but in fact, uh, what what has happened is that uh, gradually uh, people are returning uh, to their homes, mm-hmm. which is a positive development, which is a good sign, mm-hmm. and that of course is something that does not sit well with the U.S. or with Israel and you no know, Saudi Arabia, etc. Yeah. We're speaking to Zafar Bengash and uh, uh, Crescent International is the old title, um, and the Zafar. Sharmi Narwani uh, and others have been saying that um, the word was out maybe three or four weeks ago that a coup was underway for Iraq, with the plan being to have a kind of crowds in the street and then uh, to get a general to come to power. Um, and uh, is, is that your take on what, was, what they were going to try to do? Oh, absolutely. And I must say that uh, Narmin Sharwani is an absolutely remarkable person. She has got uh, her pulse on the events absolutely accurately. She's very good, and I'll recommend her highly to anybody who wishes to know about that region. Yeah, she does uh, tweet, and those tweets are very helpful, I find. Absolutely, exactly. And in fact, what she said was, I mean, now we know who the general is. His name is uh, Abdul Wahab Al-Sadi, American-trained general, who was in fact instrumental in trying to you know, instigate all of this trouble in, in Iraq. Yeah. All of these demonstrations are, are led by people that are actually uh, paid by the Americans. And so that general has been removed from his position and and moved to a less sensitive uh, post. And of course, he was unhappy about it yeah. when he said about it that, you know, I've been removed from this. But in fact, he was acting at the behest of the United States. Yes. And, and of course, there are genuine, um, you know, concerns of the people. Uh, and the Iraqi prime minister said so. He said, we, I do recognize uh, that, you know, we have uh, high unemployment. There's, unemployment is about 10%. Uh, you know, 
people complain about um, lack of electricity. And so here is the rub. Uh, there is lack of electricity in Iraq. Iran supplies uh, a major portion of Iraq's electricity, but the U.S. wants to block that. So, in yeah. fact, it's not going to solve the Iraqi people's problem. It is it's going to exacerbate them. Mm-hmm. Iran is helping Iraq with its electricity needs. Uh, but obviously, for, from the U.S. point of view, if it can uh, force the government to create a situation whereby uh, the people's plight would be worsened, and so people would have more reasons mm-hmm. to uh, protest and demonstrate and, and come out into the streets. Now, here is something that I think everybody would, would understand. There are, people have said, uh, ordinary people in the streets of Baghdad and other places, they said that there are snipers on buildings that are firing at us as well as, 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 well as at the police. Yes. This is exactly the scenario that occurred back in February of 2011 in Dar'a when the problems were starting against the Syrian government. Again, there were unknown snipers firing both at the civilians, demonstrators, as well as at the police forces, so that they could create chaos and mayhem, and yes. each would blame the other, and this would continue to escalate. Yes. And that's what they've been trying to do in Iraq as well. And by the way, I'm glad you're talking about this matter, because Al Jazeera, working for some of these parties, uh, they're reporting that. They say, oh, they're turning it into, it's government snipers. There's no evidence it's government snipers. It's it's. Uh, individuals unknown who are killing people from both sides. Exactly, exactly. Otherwise, if it were government snipers, why would they want to kill the police? There is absolutely no reason for them to do so. It's actually unknown snipers. These are agent provocateurs. Mm -hmm. And as I said, today, this mob went and attacked uh, uh, Iran's consulate in Basra. Mm-hmm. It is one of the most active consulates because uh, Basra is very close to the Iranian border. A lot of help comes from there, and it's sort of spread into the area. Now, why would any people, let's say in Basra, because the, the overwhelming population of Basra is Shia, as is the population in Iran. Now, why would the Shias want to kill the Iranian uh, or attack an Iranian consulate, uh, which is actually helping the people over there? It makes absolutely no sense. So these are agent provocateurs who have been... Somebody looking once again to try to create a Shia-Sunni fight. Exactly. Which was the game plan of the U.S. They used to brag about it. Yeah. About how they were going to get Muslims to fight Muslims. That's right. uh, So that they could play the game. And, of course, they had Saudi money and Saudi uh, influence. Uh, can you tell us, so who are these, some of these players? We know uh, the prime minister, he's been there, I guess, maybe a year, uh, and he has been saying, well, we're going to respond to these things, but there's no overnight cures for them. Uh, but uh, how about uh, the president, uh, Bahram uh, Saleh? Yes. Do, who is he? Uh, well, Bahram Saleh is, is, a, is a Kurd, and he's, he's a decent guy. I don't think that there is anything, uh, you know, or, or wrong mm-hmm. with him. He, he wants to basically uh, see the country through its turmoil. He does not want to create problems over there because he realizes, mm-hmm. he's an educated man, he realizes that uh, Iraq is going through a very difficult phase and it needs to stabilize and to be able to uh, stand on its feet. But it can only do so if the Americans and the others stop to interfere in its internal affairs and stop creating this this chaos for them. And another reason, of course, also is that the Iraqis have been uh, involved in trying to 
mediate between Iran and Saudi Arabia. Now, Saudi mm-hmm. Arabia, of course, has been chastened, especially after those two spectacular strikes that the Yemenis carried out, one on September the 14th when Aramco facilities were hit and virtually destroyed, and second, uh, uh, about a week ago when the Yemeni forces uh, carried out a daring operation in Najran and they killed more than 500 Saudi troops and captured several thousand of them and a lot of equipment as well, including a lot of Canadian equipment that the Canada had supri- supplied to Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when the Saudis realized that, you know, the Yemenis can really hit us hard and really c- create big problems for us, so they decided that they wanted to have peace with uh, Yemen as well as with Iran. Mm-hmm. And so they talked to the Iraqi prime minister. Prior to that, they had talked to the Pakistani prime minister, who had actually, during his visit to the U.S., spoken about it, that Saudi Arabia has approached me to mediate uh, on their behalf with Iran, and he said, I can't give you any more details, but I have spoken to uh, President Rouhani of Iran. And then a few days later, the Iraqi prime minister was in Saudi Arabia on September 25th, and the Saudis asked him also to mediate. And he said, I'll be more than happy to do so. And there there had been contacts going back and forth, mm-hmm. and uh, the Iraqi prime minister said that, you know, we'd be happy to host these talks in Baghdad. So I think that's something that has irked the, the Americans and the Israelis. They don't want peace in that region. Although, you know, the Saudis have been very nasty, but Iran has still welcomed this opportunity to resolve these things things through dialogue rather than through fighting. Giving them a chance to survive. If they, they better take it. Yes. <laughs> you know, they, they, this, it seems to me that's been the posture of the Islamic Republic and, and uh, Syria too. They've always been willing to talk, but every but their opponents have, have been out for blood. They said, "No, no, we we want the whole thing." Yes, yes. And uh, well, I'm really glad you raised that element that the the prime minister uh, would have an, a very important role in bringing peace. Another reason for the gremlins in the American system, the CIA, to decide to bring him down. Unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately. Uh, and I guess in one minute, I better ask you, uh, Kashmir, we're hearing, is having health issues, all kinds of things, because people cannot use the Internet and the phones. That is correct. In fact, they're, now they're into more than 12 months, I mean, two months of lockdown. Uh, people do not have access to food, to medicines. Hospitals are shut down. In fact, uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was a group of uh, five uh, Indian human rights activists, all of them ladies, among them lawyers and others, that visited Kashmir, and they came back with harrowing details of what the Indian army was doing there. And they they spoke to families, etc., and and they came back and said that more than 13,000 young Kashmiris have been kidnapped, from their homes, some as young as 12, 13 years old, and the families simply do not know where their children have been taken to. So it's a very, very grim situation over there. It's all information which is not being shared with us in our mass media, which is why we talk to Zafar Bengash. And also on October the 19th, we are having a rally for Kashmir at Queen's Park, so I'd like to invite all your listeners to join us at 2.30 in the afternoon, October 19th. It's a Saturday. Thank you. We will all be there. Thank you very much, Zafar Bengash. Thank you, Phil, for the opportunity. Take okay. care. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, well, Mick has taken us through all this and played all that music by Mr. John Prime and Lee Morgan, and Phil Condon is here.
Thank you very much. And with C this is Taylor Report. See you next week.